0: All right. Welcome to Freightonomics, where we discuss what's happening in the freight markets as well as the overall economy and bring the two together. So everybody in the whole transportation, logistics space, supply chains all around the world will get a better view and transparency as to what's going on with this crazy world that we're living in. Anthony Smith, lead economist here joining me.
1: That is one of the most elegant (laughs) intros you've had to date, sir.
0: You know, I'm feeling quite rejuvenated. Anthony good. Smith, good. Uh, you know, we had Thanksgiving break. Uh, you know, got got a little bit of time away. Even though I don't know if, you know, some some. I guess for some people, Thanksgiving isn't that refreshing. You got a lot of family coming in, but maybe you know, with the COVID world, you had a little bit more time to yourself. Get some your thoughts Thanksgiving together.
1: Zoom calls. Yeah,
0: I'm a bit of a thinker, so I kind of like a little reserved.
1: I time. see what you did there, thanks, thinker. <laughs> Thanksgiving. I see Thanksgiving. what you did there.
0: So we've got quite a show today. We're going to discuss, you know, carrier profitability and really profitability in all of transportation, because it's not as simple of an industry as a lot of people think. I actually, you know, back in my finance days, that's my background was in finance, was not really keen on the idea of getting into the transportation space. And because I just, I didn't think it was that interesting. At the time,
1: yeah, and this kind of takes us back to where we first kind of gets got started with freight right? It started mm-hmm. off with these lessons, these mm-hmm. parts of the transportation industry. So, kind of return to form from almost a year ago to the day.
0: Yeah, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna take a little bit of a break from some of the topical stuff, even though we are obviously gonna hit on some of the topical things. You know, the the virus, the vaccine, uh, you know, logistics, space, supply chain transformation, etc. Those are all things that we will obviously cover in other podcasts and things like that, especially here in the f- near future. Um, especially the one about the vaccine logistics. That yeah. one fascinates me. There, there's a lot of debate in the space about how that's going to impact trucking, which is already tight. Um, you know, it's not going to make it looser, but the idea that, you know, to a degree, how much is it going to impact trucking, etc. cetera. Uh, CEO Craig Fuller was on Bloomberg the TV this morning talking yeah. about it too. Um, but today, yeah, the focus will be on carry profitability. But first up, Anthony, we have some stories.
1: Let's get it. Of the day.
0: Um, so this one is interesting in the way that, you know, it, it comes from, uh, you know, Panama traffic jam affecting ocean shipping. Of course. Of course we would have another bottleneck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially in the maritime sector. Uh, the freight boom uh, continues. Uh, coming from overseas into, uh, you know, into the United States. Lots of backlogs at the ports. We've talked about that uh, extensively here. You know, you can't get enough freight into the country. Shippers are still ordering freight into next year. They're not able to get their freight uh, before Christmas, a lot of them. Uh, And now we've got one more thing. There's bottlenecks at the Panama Canal. So Panama Canal. And that's a somewhat major canal. It's not small. No, (laughs) (laughs) That and the Suez are really the two big canals. Uh, But basically they're talking about how if you have not booked space in getting through that canal, which is mayor said, you have to be on top of it because they're not getting delayed right now because they they're on top of the wall. They're saying 14 to 21 days ahead of time. You got to book your, your trip through, but it's bottlenecking a lot of the other carriers that may not have been more prepared. And of course this will just lead more into what we've, you know ex what we're expecting into early
1: twenty twenty one which is all this freight that's going to be piling up, yeah yeah, <laughs> and ready to move so I mean that's the big thing, that thing that almost kind of sums up transportation throughout the year so far is just it, these backlogs, and I think that's where we kind of started off in April going into May is just this build up these build up of backlogs and this scrambling of what we're going to do, how we're going to get all this stuff through the supply chain. And I think this kind of sums up almost what we've seen throughout the year up until this point.
0: Yeah, this is a well-written article. Greg Miller, one of my favorites uh, for the American shipper team down there. We talk a lot, um, you know, writes this piece. If you want to get more details on that, check out freightways.com, the American shipper section. It's right there.
1: Um, you know, also other big thing I forgot to mention, as you all know, we are live streaming right now. If you're watching on at, what 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, so Wednesday. I'm actively in <laughs> LinkedIn and Facebook. So if you want to jump in on the get in on any of the conversation, feel free to let your voice be heard. So I'll be watching those comment sections closely.
0: Yeah. And this next story really kind of I, I, I wanted to bring this one a little bit to the forefront because, you know, obviously we've been talking a lot about capacity. Supply chain, bottlenecks, et cetera. Well, you know, the drivers out there, the truckers out there, they're getting this, this, they're working (laughs) to move all this freight. Yeah. They have their day to day problems as well. You know, it's not just about, you know, not being able to ship your stuff from China and getting it across the ocean, Uh, you know, not getting capacity out of Los Angeles. But the drivers have day to day issues that get glazed over all the time. And one of those big issues has been parking. Really? Truck parking. People don't think about it because these a lot of these guys, over the road drivers, they're dr- they're away from their houses, their families, days on end. And do you how many how many parking lots do you see are right off the interstate?
1: Not a lot. And I think <laughs> this kind of takes me back to I don't know if you remember one time my cousin was in town visiting. He is a driver owner operator, mm-hmm. and he was scrambling just to find a place like where can I where can I I'm trying to like scope out where I can park my rig right now where <laughs> I can leave it overnight and that only makes sense. It's one of those things that you don't think of unless you're in the life or you're in the mix of it all.
0: Yeah. John Gallagher writes this article covering really actually bringing a lot of this stuff uh, to the forefront, talking about how there's no real, there's few new public facilities or spaces being developed and that the challenges continue in planning, funding and accommodating truck parking. Um, You know, that's the general sentiment is that, you know, you need, if, if, you know, in my mind, You've got the FMCSA, you know, obviously with safety in mind uh, for people on the road, keeping them safe. But if you're going to regulate their hours of service and tell them how long they can drive, how long they can be on duty, specifically and electronically hold them accountable, and you're not going to have a way for them to stop along the way, I don't, I don't understand how you can have one without the other. Like right. you really need, and I know I've talked to several uh, DOT heads. Uh, specifically down there in uh, Louisiana, they're big concern down there along the I-10 corridor. But identifying some of the areas that they can develop these spaces, and of course, a lot of the revenue streams for governments, <laughs> yeah, not exactly flowing as much as they did in the in the past. And they're talking about budget cuts, not budget expansion, right? And truck parking, whereas it doesn't have an immediate, uh, apparent immediate, you know, impact on public health and safety. These drivers, if they can't find parking and you want them to pull over on the side of the road, like there's there's not a lot. That's that's a safety concern unto itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it's one of those topics that you mentioned. It's not like one of those things that's that's shiny, you know, like when you're looking at where money is going, like like another area that also gets brought up a lot. It's a big area, but infrastructure when you're looking at highway and street infrastructure it's one that kind of gets glossed over push to the wayside, but it's so important. I think it's one of those thingless things. It's like, oh, I I don't have a pothole on my way to work or this highway's together. You just expect these things, but there's not a lot of money that gets gets pushed into these areas. And so it's just, it's a crucial part overall.
0: Yeah, and they did a survey over uh, asking drivers, oh, you know, did they have trouble finding safe parking? In 2016, 76% said uh, regularly, one or more times a week. Guess what that number was in 2019? Was it? 75%. (laughs) Not a lot of headway there. Yeah, not at all. Um, There's obviously a concern there when you've got three quarters of your base having trouble finding parking. Uh, If they can't pull over and rest, they can't get their sleep. Right. If they have to constantly, you know, figure out, you know, and again, reserving spots. It's like reserving spots at a campsite. Yeah. You can't really do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if you're in on limited schedule, limited hours. uh, I think there definitely needs to be a lot more, uh, you know, at least visibility into this, this issue. My opinion.
1: Definitely. And uh, there was also, if I'm not mistaken, um, charging for parking as well. Right. A little section on that one.
0: Yeah. No, they'll, uh, you know, most of the truck stops, which are where drivers traditionally look to pull over. They don't want to pull over in these unattended lots that are sometimes off to the side. That's another issue is that yeah. a lot of these lots are not safe because they're just random gravel roads yeah. <laughs> or random gravel fields. Yeah. Uh, and that's why a lot of them carry firearms. Right. Uh, because it's a safety issue. You know, they're out on the out on the road. And it's especially when you're talking about trying to get more diversity in trucking. Yeah. If you want some of these, if you want driver recruiting to get better, make it a better job. Right. <laughs> Um, And obviously carriers, another, there's a shiny object for the year. Uh, Driver recruiting, a big issue. Uh, Women in trucking, uh, real women in trucking commented on this. Uh, Obviously, you know, they're not going to feel safe. Uh, A lot of the, you know, a lot of these guys that have been out on the road for a while doing this job know that it's not for everyone. And, you know, women have not necessarily been traditionally (laughs) <laughs> not not a field that a lot of women try to get into. And this is just one more reason that, yeah, especially for women. Yeah. Uh, you know, not that they're not fully capable of protecting themselves and whatnot, but uh, it is definitely more of a concern on their priority list. You know, men yeah. are kind of taught to be, you know, like you, super strong football players and ready to go take on the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it adds a whole
1: nother <laughs> yeah. variable yeah.
0: for sure. I, uh, I I definitely think that we need a little bit more uh, visibility on that for sure.
1: Yeah. And you, you kind of touched on carrier and I think carriers have been, I don't know, if we're looking at carriers, brokers and shippers, mm-hmm. they've all been impacted, of course, differently throughout the year. I think when you see, okay, this has been a great year for freight, great for who you have to kind of break it out for who has been great for, but carriers have really been doing well. Yeah, they're
0: doing well. Uh, they're doing great. So great. In fact, that UPS is now imposing shipping restrictions on Hmm. certain companies. This was on the wall street journal. Um, basically thanks to the e-commerce search. Uh, there's now UPS is now put shipping restrictions on some large retailers such as gap and Nike this week. Um, you know, and they interviewed, uh, there's, there's several of their larger companies in here, L.L. Bean, Macy's, Newegg, Hot Topic. Uh, Hot Topic's still around? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, basically saying, you know, there's certain limitations. And again, UPS is a partial, large, mainly a partial shipper. They do have LTL and truckload involvement, obviously. But um, that basically, due to the surge of shipments over the Black Friday, another interesting tidbit, online shopping jumped another 44%. Yeah.
1: Thanks to Black Friday. Yeah. And we thought that e-commerce,
0: what did it grow? What's it been growing at?
1: It's been growing on in like on a month-to-month basis anywhere from 10 to 20 to 30% on a month-to-month basis.
0: I mean, it's like and now we jumped another 44%. So over the last week, that's only going to push, you know, more volume into the freight market. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of what the a lot of the freight that's been moving in the space so far has been getting ready for this, though. Yeah. You know so it is kind of a question of how much more volume are we really looking at? This will be that d c to fulfillment center type freight on the truckload side. Obviously, the parcel side is is a different sector. There's only really a handful of those in the in the world <laughs> that handle yeah. that parcel business. Uh, but this is fascinating to me
1: I think that that also kind of will lines up really well with, of course, we have to have um, Z2 on here shortly at some point in time in uh, the next couple of weeks. But Zach Rogers always going on about how downstream warehouse capacity is so tight. And I think and the latest LMI they've had, that was a record low warehouse capacity number. Of course, we're going to have to get him on here soon yeah. to talk about that number, but that only feeds into what's happening with e-commerce right now.
0: Yeah. And it's, we didn't think it could get much bigger. You know, Zach, we talked to him about this and said, how much is this going to impact peak season? Yeah. You know, well, he was, he was pretty much right though. We saw this little mild jump in tender rejection rates. We jumped up to, you know, you can call it mild, I guess, 26 to 28% over the holiday period. We're still hovering right around that 28% mark uh, for outbound tender rejection rates, the rate at which carriers reject there are electronic tenders from the shippers, which before 2020 really didn't happen that often. Not yeah. to the extent that we're looking at right now. One out of every four loads, over one out of every four loads, getting rejected on average. And, you know, carriers basically have their pick yeah. <laughs> of the freight, which leads me into our final story of the day, which is actually one that I'm familiar with because I wrote it. Right. <laughs> Uh, the article, uh, this week's chart of the week, which I write every week, uh, basically displaying a data driven, uh, article 100% sourced out of the data. Not, it doesn't come from like another news source or anything like that. And it's a story that I, I develop strictly from that. I try to find other context to put with it. All facts, no feelings, no feelings whatsoever. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but carriers are feeling pretty good this year. Uh, we, the, the article focused around how they've got, their ORs dropped from near 100. Uh, For those of you that aren't familiar with operating ratio, it is basically what carriers or transportation providers really live by. You know, if you've watched the rails, uh, if you watch their earnings forecasts, they're all OR-driven reports. Uh, They're trying to eke out every ounce of operational profitability they can get. Operating uh, revenue, it's operating expenses divided by operating revenue. So basically for every $100 that, you know, the carrier sells hauling freight. They spend, they were spending about a hundred dollars transporting it. So now in the last month, I believe the last month that we had this for was actually October. Yeah, uh, It dropped all the way down to about a 94 OR. So they were now making six six cents on every dollar uh, operating. Operating expenses do not include things like interest and debt, you know, if you're a leveraged carrier. So if you don't have, if you're not making money, on your operation and you can't cover your uh, margins there, yeah. you're definitely not going to be paying down your debt. And that's how carriers typically go out of business is that they they buy trucks, they leverage it, they've got debt just like every other company, uh, but they don't necessarily have cash flow
1: to maintain that debt level. Right. And the margins, historically, there aren't large margins, right? Right. Uh, you know, I always targeted about
0: a 93 OR, but again, it's, it's not as, it's not as precise as just saying, okay, I'm going to make seven cents on the dollar for this load. There's all sorts of other factors ingrained in there. Uh, And one of the, one of the topics of the, or one of the highlights of the article was the fact that, wait, it only went down to 94. (laughs) We just saw them turn down one out of every four of their loads. This is after accepting over 95% of their freight in 2019. Yeah. And now you're telling me, They went from 100 OR to now making $0.06 on every dollar in the tightest market that we've, you know, arguably seen in recent times since deregulation.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, it's wild. (laughs) It's wild. And it's just one of those things that's kind of like perfectly aligned because the other thing that impacts fuel, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fuel does have an impact, but they do pass along that cost. Right. And fuel has not been very volatile. It's actually been been, really low. It's been low, and it's actually been a a bit of a tailwind uh, for carriers here in the last several months as that spread between the wholesale price of fuel and the retail price of fuel spreads or expands, Um, especially when fuel prices are coming down faster. (laughs) Right. Uh, They're able to buy off the rack wholesale price, and then they turn around and pass along a lot of that cost, which is based on the retail price at a higher level. Right. It's not a 100% pass-through, but they do offset a lot of that. So that helps them uh, kind of help keep their
1: margins where they need to be. And when we're talking about transportation, of course, we're talking about, you know, freight. We're talking about trucks right now. Operating ratios are completely different world when we're looking at rail, right? Oh,
0: yes, yes. So the rail industry is, you know, like I said before, they, they're eking out every cent that they can get from their operation, and they do that with their precision scheduled railroading, which is just a fancy term for saying we're going to try to squeeze more blood out of that rock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it is, you know, they can't really grow. There's a set infrastructure. They have a set number of engines, and then they can put a bunch of cars behind that engine to pull it across the country. They can invest in more engines and extend those rail car links, those train links, over a mile in length in a lot of cases. Um, And that's how it doesn't cost them that much more to add a rail car here and there. But what it does do is it slows down the train. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a big trade off between service and, and cost effectiveness.
1: Yeah. And uh, I'm looking at some of the comment sections here and just kind of circling back to one of the conversations we're having a little bit earlier was we're talking about parking. And this is a, a great comment here from James Fry. Um, In the LinkedIn, he says uh, his drivers tell him all that that they're closing places for truck parking out on side of uh, truck stops and you can be ticketed for trucking uh, parking on the side of highways and off ramps. Of course, Um, he says T.A. has reserved spots um, and it's been a frustrating process looking for more drivers right now.
0: Yeah. Why would you want to get into an industry that's basically stacking the deck against you? Yeah, <laughs> um, You know, hey, go out, not see your family, live on the road for a while with limited availability. It's not like people are sitting there waiting on you. And again, this adds to that operational inefficiency. If you, if you have to make a plan to stop an hour before you really need to, especially when you're talking about going over the road out in some of these Western uh, regions yeah. with a lot, not a lot of population density, not a safe environment. Um, if you have to stop an hour before you're due just so you can park, that adds to the cost of what you're dealing You've just lost an hour of operational efficiency. Yeah, A lot of shippers, a lot of people that I've talked to that aren't familiar with transportation, including myself back in the day, did not realize how much efficiency really made a difference in transportation. And this is true for every mode of transportation, whether it's a boat or any really any operation, Yeah, <laughs> any operation, a boat, a train, the trains are just able to do it a little bit more effectively because they're an oligarchy, right? There's a handful of train, uh, you know, rail providers and they're kind of Kings of their own domain. They're That's masters of their own domain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've got a limited competition in certain areas and, you know, I think most people know that there's limited capacity available. They just get on that long term contracts stays pretty level, et cetera but for trucking, there's i don't know several hundred thousand <laughs> yeah uh you know operators out there at this point we do have you know in this industry ninety three percent of them have less than twenty trucks um which means that you
1: have that
0: many more competing
1: entities yeah it's the one third entry is yes yeah. is almost non-existence in comparison exactly so Knight swift
0: has you know i forget the exact tractor count at this point what the 17000 uh tractors the largest uh trucking four hire trucking provider in the united states they don't compete with each other on price right they can compete with each other somewhat internally, but that's, that's not going to drive their rate down. They're not going to say, they're not going to outbid each other or undercut each other. Um, when you have 93% of the market competing with each other, yeah. that's a lot of people that can jump in and say, hey, I'm going to go lower and lower and lower. And that's exactly why these ORs are so low. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these operators, you know, when they have to take into account, when you're talking about logistics, you cannot make mistakes on the road. Gotcha. You know, you've got your pickup, Spend an hour, hour and a half picking up something at a live load situation. That's going to cost, you know, we typically say that it's going to cost around $70 to $100 an hour. Yeah. To operate a class eight tractor with a trailer, Um, you know, including driver wages and fuel and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So you've just cost yourself $140 and you haven't moved an inch. (laughs) That's wild. (laughs) Um, And now you get paid based on the mileage you're driving. So you're not getting paid on that time that you're sitting there on that dock. Now you got to get on the road. Okay, now what happens when the weather occurs? That's why we have a meteorologist here, Nick Austin, who yeah. does a splendid job of covering that. Um, and now there's a snowstorm going across Donner Pass. <laughs> yeah. You know, as <laughs> yeah, as always. As usual. <laughs> um, and that, again, it's going to set you back. Now you're getting set back four to five hours because you got to stop, put chains on. Oh, they closed the mountain. Can't get out there. You just lost... Uh, you know, what's my math here? $350 um, just for act of God.
1: Yeah. And and the thing is, it's like, these are things that rookie drivers don't know until like they go into it. Right. And so it's just like, okay, there's that you're already kind of hesitant and maybe about going into the industry. And then mm-hmm. you go into the industry and you find all of these potential variables that you had no idea was going to be a thing. Yeah.
0: No, it's, it's, it's not an easy space to operate in. It's certainly not an easy space to make money in. Um, so next up, so say you've got a clear road ahead of you, right? you're driving down the road, uh, and you get to your consignee. Well, did you know that that's a backhaul market?
1: You know what a backhaul market is, right? So now you can't get out with a load. So now you're, <laughs> you do know what a backhaul yes. market is. I, <laughs> I've watched Freightonomics yeah. episode three. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So now you're going to spend who knows how long trying to find another load to yeah. get under. Oh, but wait, you just ran out of hours. So that
1: load that was available now isn't. You so are in the red <laughs> for trying to do your job. And so I can see how some some people could be operating like a a, a first time owner op, or maybe owner ops usually a little bit more seasoned, but mm-hmm. maybe some that's new to the to the industry, and they are just losing money left and right, yeah. not knowing how people are really kind of keeping their shirts on. Yeah. I used to always call the OR the margin of error mm. because there's
0: everything that I just named there. Weather, traffic, shipper delay, continue delay, hours of service, limitations. Any any one of those first three things goes off, your fourth one is, is now triggered as well. Right. So all these things have to line up. You can do all the planning you want. <laughs> yeah. And then one of those things triggers you're off schedule now and now you have to rearrange your entire network. Right. That is why, you know, that OR that you see only dropped six cents <laughs> Imagine. because now we have so much freight moving through the uh, the country right now. Yeah. they may be charging more for it, but their networks are not any more efficient. Gotcha. It just means that they're sitting less, uh, that one aspect of that, of all of that is going right. Yeah. And that's the fact they're sitting less waiting on the next load. Yeah. That's it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And James Fry says, he says, uh, it takes a certain kind of person to be a driver. And I absolutely <laughs> agree with that. And the thing is, is like, they are the drivers are keeping you know the country moving. It's really the the heartbeat of the country, keeping goods moving throughout the country. And I I don't think that you know a lot of them get the respect that they deserve for keeping goods moving throughout the country. And so um, James Fry e- exactly right. He says a good dispatcher won't put a driver in that kind of situation. So definitely ties into that that teamwork kind of scenario.
0: Yeah, the parking, all all that all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's really hard. So. You know, truck drivers, it's not as easy as just carrying it from point A to point B. (laughs) Uh, I feel you out there for sure. And, you know, for people that aren't familiar with that, if they see that $3 a mile and say, well, you should be making tons of money. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, but you've only just solved one (laughs) part of the whole equation. Yeah, you're making about 30% more on only roughly 10 to 20% of your freight, though. Yeah. So that, that spot rate that you see that's inflated... They're still, they're still carrying three out of every four of those loads, you know, on average, are still operating at 2019 rates. You've only got a handful of them, at best, that are on the spot market. Yeah. Not every, and not every load that gets rejected ends up on the spot market. Um, that, that just means that it goes down to carrier number two or carrier number three, increasing the rate and service a little bit. But, again, it's not as simple as, I'm going to charge a ton of money. Yeah, right, <laughs>
1: right, right, right. So... There goes my rant. It <laughs> <laughs> was a we, good conversation. I mean, that's what freightonomics is—that freight, is, yeah. freight aspects. But I mean, what, speaking of econ, econ, yeah. What do
0: we got on the What do we got on the macro econ front? Over uh, so the
1: last so over the last couple of weeks, I think one of the biggest um, updates, at least on my end, was from we haven't had a lot, but that most recent PMI number um, that was one of the biggest things for me. The industrial uh, economy really still sluggish. It's still sluggish, but so. The thing was, last time I was on, I had to make that a of when the PMI grew a little bit more than I anticipated, when industrial production right. grew on a month-to-month basis, more than I anticipated. I'm like, hey, this kind of took me by surprise. Um, the most recent week we saw... The ISMPMI, PMI, it moved down a little bit. So kind of back into my expectations of, mm-hmm. okay, there's momentum building, but not quite there just yet. New orders also came down, still very strong in mid-60s level. Mm-hmm. But the thing that really got me that I think is really important is that employment level. And so what we saw was employment were was um, actually growing and expanding within manufacturing Now went back into contraction mode. Ah. So um, uh, the employment is always going to be one that I watch closely. And, of course, it's going to have that inverse relationship with increase in COVID cases. So we are starting to see that more of a sluggish growth or slowing decline Uh. or state decline for manufacturing once more. Likely going to be some decline, I think, going into the fourth quarter for sure. Um, But um, still expansion overall. But we are starting to see some of those telltale signs.
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, good news for freight. Uh, we haven't needed it <laughs> yeah. uh, so far, and I can't imagine what would happen uh, if we did have that on top of this.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean... Maybe more of the same. <laughs> rough for some flatbed operators, but at least there's some potential construction uh, activity going on there um, if that supply can be met with the adequate demand, or mm-hmm. the demand can be met with the adequate supply. Yeah, but not in
0: 2020. We'll have to wait till next year's movie <laughs>
1: <laughs> comes out. Speaking of
0: movies... Yes. Is Gremlins a, a Christmas movie?
1: Yes. And is Edward Scissors Hands a Christmas movie? No. Yes, it is. No, you're wrong. <laughs> yes, I mean, it is. It's just
0: it, everything said in Christmas isn't necessarily a Christmas movie.
1: Edward Scissors mm-hmm. Hands is a Christmas movie. You heard it. Here Nightmare first, before Ghost.
0: Christmas, a Halloween or a Christmas movie. Christmas. I don't know. I don't I actually don't have a strong opinion on that one, but Christmas. That'll bring us to the close of our show today. (laughs) I'm just going to disagree with you. Download the Freightways TV app on podcast players everywhere. Look up Freightonomics or look up Freightcasts and get every Freightways podcast, Great Quarter Guys, What the Truck. Put that coffee down, Drilling Deep, and hopefully
1: everybody has a great week. I like Great Quarter Guys. Of course you do. I also like What the Truck. I like them all. I like them all too. (laughs) You know who's a wealth of information? John Kingston. John Kingston is amazing. He knows everything.